You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To help. I think a team only goes as far as this quarterback can lead them. Uh, I don't think the quarterback got to go out and win every game per se, but I do believe... Um, like I say, as play caller and as quarterback, I think you got to be connected to the hip. So that's why I mean. I'm excited to learn Jameis. I'm excited to know things about Jameis that he don't know I know. I'm excited to, you know, to just be in the room with him, just have an opportunity to coach him. Uh, I hear so much about him. There's a lot of great things said about this kid, and I'm just excited to get the opportunity. Time to lock and load. Time to get control. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. Oh, when the Saints go marching home. Oh, when the Saints go marching home, they're going to cry about the officials. When the Saints go... Sorry, I got distracted. Is, is that okay for an intro song for you, David? Yeah, I, I like it. We might have to use that again in the future. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we're not here to talk about the Saints losing to the Rams and not getting to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, we could. I have plenty to say on, on the topic. But David and I, our, our last episode, we spoke to the... Uh, phenomenal Carmen Vitale. I haven't recorded an episode since. Yeah, you know, I had I was busy all weekend with with birthday party stuff for my son and my other son had hockey practice and then we get home and there's the ASC championship on and I text David I'm like, "Dude, let's just watch the games and enjoy ourselves tonight. Let's not worry about recording an episode." So we're back and we have a few Buccaneers related things to talk about and a few voicemails to get to. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Of course, the voice that you heard before mine was that of new Buccaneers offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich, who introduced himself to the media uh, last week in in his little uh, introductory press conference. Uh, David, I'm going to let you kick it off because, I mean, I, I have a few thoughts, but I want to hear yours because this is something we really haven't discussed with one another too much yet. Um, what's your initial thoughts on on Byron Leftwich and, and being the offensive coordinator under – Bruce Arians to be the one to help mold Jameis and he's going to be the one calling plays. And I mean, what's, what's your initial takeaway following this press conference with, with Leftwich? Well, well, the first thing that I like is he was asked how important it was for a team to understand who their starting quarterback was going to be week in, week out. And initially he actually, I think he, he thought that uh, he was about to be asked like, is like, are you sold on Jameis being the starting quarterback or something different? Because, he he kind of cut them off and is like James Winston. James Winston's starting quarterback of the you know of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's not the quote, but that's basically what he was saying. And then when it was elaborated on, like, okay, we got that, but is it how important is it really for everyone to know that fact? And him being a previous NFL quarterback, he he stated very clearly that it's extremely important. And it, it, it takes me back to last season where I can't remember which week it was, James, but. I believe it was Jenna, right, that tweeted out that she was in the locker room and she was asking some of the players, it was a practice or or after a practice or something, I can't remember, it was like midweek, who, if they knew who the starting quarterback was going to be because Dirk Cutter hadn't said anything yet. And the player, I, I don't think she identified the player, but the player responded with, no, do you, thinking that 
she knew and was testing him. But in reality, she didn't know. And oh, by the way, he didn't know. And then it came out later that Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be the starting quarterback. And the media found out before the team found out. And it just kind of, it, it just kind of speaks a little bit. Like that's kind of a sliver, but it's kind of an example of the overall problem that was going on within the organization last year. Uh, and, and we all, we saw bits and pieces of it, you know, throughout the year, really. Um, but that's, that's kind of the one that stuck out in that question is when, when you have a head coach who's literally communicating with the media before his own players, you, you have a coach who's just, he's not on the same, the same plane as his locker room. I'm not going to go as far as to say, he lost the locker room and all that. I mean, we, we know that the players at the, at the end of the season kind of all came to, came to his defense and said great things about him. And everybody that we know has said great things about him as an individual and his work ethic and all that. But that right there, I mean, whether good effort doesn't necessarily mean good leadership, good management, good decisions. It just means good effort. Um, I, I wish the two were connected, but they're just not. And that right there kind of speaks to a little bit more it's not just Bruce Arians that's going to try to bring in a culture change, mentality change, whatever you want to call it, but that's your offensive coordinator. That's your play caller right there delivering a clear signal. There's no, oh, well, you know, we'll go into camp and everybody's competing for their job, but no, this is Jameis Winston's team. Bottom line, and Bruce Arians said the same thing. This is Jameis Winston's team. So whether you're on board or you're not, if you're a Jameis hater, if you're a Jameis lover, supporter, whatever you want to call it, whether you think he did something or you don't think he did, it doesn't matter. Unless something new pops up, right? Jameis Winston is the starting quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You might as well accept it now because it's happening. And it's just refreshing. It's just good to see that you have a head coach and an offense coordinator who are on the same page with that without hesitation. There's no circumlocution, no dancing around the question. It was just direct. It's Jameis Winston. So good, good to hear. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree 100%. And it's something that I, I said on this podcast when I said, uh, yeah, if, if Bruce Arians can't get Jameis to play at the level that we all believe he's capable of, then nobody can. And I think Byron Leftwich is a guy that, that Arians has groomed, and, and he was a proponent of, of Byron becoming a, a future offensive coordinator back when, when he basically strong-armed Leftwich into being a – uh, an intern as, as a, as a, a coaching, yeah, well, a, a coaching intern, I guess is, is what I was looking for back when he was with the Cardinals and then promoted him to being a full-time member of the staff. And then, you know, left, which takes over in, in Arizona after Mike McCoy gets fired. And, you know, I, I looked at it and he, and in, he increased the Cardinals points per game by a little over one point, which isn't anything incredible, but, if you go back and you look at David Johnson's stats, just David Johnson alone, one of the best running backs in football. David, this is one of the few times that I think you and I agree on on position rankings that we would put we would both put David Johnson, you know, top five. I would say he's top three. Uh, I'm kind of going off the top of my head. Yeah, I'd I'd put him at least in the top five, probably top three if I had to if I if I had to think about it. But you know, of course when he's when he's healthy, yeah, I I, I think he's definitely one of the best in the game. So yeah, you look at the usage of David Johnson under Mike McCoy, and it was abysmal. It was non-existent. And Byron Leftwich was able to, to walk into that role, and immediately David Johnson's carries increased, his use in the passing game increased, his production increased. You know, Byron Leftwich, 
in the short sample size that we have seems to know what he's doing now. And that was similar to what Mark Duffner did. You know, Mark Duffner became the defensive coordinator after Mike Smith was fired and he's still running Mike Smith's defense. He did it a little more effectively. He was a little more creative. He was a little more aggressive, but it was still Mike Smith's defense. So Byron Leftwich has to fill in and run somebody else's, somebody else's offense and he's kind of doing that here, but it's something that, you know, I think he and, and Bruce Arians are going to sit down and they're going to work on an offense together. We, you know, you mentioned it earlier. We kept hearing it that they're going to, their scheme is their players. So one would believe that Bruce Arians is going to sit down with Byron Leftwich here in the, in the coming weeks and months, and they're going to sit down and they are going to together create the offense for the Buccaneers, you know, in, you know, using stuff out of Bruce Arians' playbook, using stuff that Byron Leftwich is coming up with. And Arians even said, I think it was in his interview on Buccaneers.com with, with Casey Phillips, you know, his playbook is 3,000 pages, you know, front to back. It's it's ridiculous. So, uh, you know, that's I'm excited. I'm excited to see what Byron can do with a with a full offseason and implementing a system that, that he's comfortable running and not having to run someone else's and, and having far more offensive talent than, than he had in Arizona to work with. Yeah. I think, and we, and we kind of had this conversation on a previous episode about which roster would you rather have the one that he inherited in Arizona or the one that he's inheriting now in Tampa. And we both agreed that this one's much better, especially when you're looking at uh, an offensive minded coach who loves to use, use players in, in a multitude of ways. There, there are just, there's sim- the simple fact is there's just more players on this team that have the versatility and the ability to do more things than what he had when he got to uh, Arizona. And I'm excited for, for what it means for the future. I'm excited for what it means for Ronald Jones. You know, um, we, we had Paige, uh, Paige DeMacos on a couple episodes ago, and she talked about Ronald Jones. That was someone who, when I saw what he was doing with his running backs in Arizona, I immediately thought, this is really good news for Ronald Jones because a lot of what he was doing then fits Ronald Jones' skill set. So I think that we're going to see these coaches put Rojo in position to be himself and not ask him to be somebody else. Uh, and I think that was a huge factor in, in how much he did or didn't develop in his rookie season, plus what they can do if they bring Peyton Barber back. That decision, as far as I know, hasn't been made yet. I mean, at, at a minimum, he hasn't been re-signed, but I don't know if they've decided whether or not they're going to pursue him this offseason or not. If But whether it is whether it's in the draft or whatever – uh, we know that this team is going to is going to want a various mix of of running back styles. They're going to want a guy that can punch somebody in the nose, but they're going to want a guy who can leak out and make a catch, and they're going to want a guy who who can hit uh, a gap and just take it ninety yards for a touchdown. Um, they've already got a couple of those players. Now they need you need another one or two to really complete the set. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just very excited uh, to see to see what they can do. And uh, Byron just adds to it what he said. Uh, and his press conference just adds to it because he he's still that same kind of a direct in your face type of type of guy that he was when he was a player and it just it seems like he's always been the same person no matter what's been going on with him whether it's success lack of success as a coach you know he he just seems to be the same person uh that he's always been and it's 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 awesome all right well david why don't we go ahead and jump over to some of the voicemails that we've been waiting to get to and and we appreciate all of you still calling in and 
you know, there's some of you that we used to hear from on nearly a daily basis, and we haven't heard from you. We're starting to get a little concerned. Uh, Greco, I'm looking at you, buddy. We haven't heard from you in a while. I want to make sure everything's okay. Same with, uh, you know, Tyler from Boston. Haven't heard from him in a little while. Uh, chef, I mean, chef, where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if there's, if there's some off-season topics or – or some free agent talk or some draft talk, please continue to feel free to call in. The number is 813-444-5841. Before now, David, why don't we go ahead and jump in to the voicemails? Yeah, we're actually going to start with Chef. So as you know, I kind of right. really, I mean, I didn't really call him out, but I kind of responded to a tweet he had sent. I can't remember the tweet, but he had sent a response or retweeted something. I can't remember now, but I, I responded to him and just kind of happened to mention that we haven't heard from him in a while. So he went ahead and uh, sent us in this this gem. Hey, gentlemen, it's Chef Aaron calling in. Uh, I kind of had to after uh, David called me out on the Twitter and all that. <laughs> uh, it has been a while, so uh, I figured I might as well update myself. Anyways, uh, obviously, I'm ecstatic about the Bruce Arians hire, and uh, even though I would love to see what Chris Richard could do with this team, I think it was actually it was probably the best uh, route to go when it comes to Bruce Arians. Obviously, for Jameis, it just getting this whole team on a better path and coach right and just uh it just looks like Bruce Arians was the the best fit in the end uh for this whole entire team uh culture wise and just just uh, everything that needed to be the all the toxicity to be taken out of this team we uh we've seen Bruce Arians track record and it's proven to be uh with huge successful results so uh other than that, it's, uh, I'm excited to see you know, what this next two to three months offers with uh, free agency, obviously, and then the draft. So uh, I can't wait to see uh, what all the uh, content that comes out uh, when it comes to all the Buccaneer channels and all that stuff, uh, when it, with all the draft prospects and all that stuff. I'm definitely going to be uh, getting, as much, uh, getting as much of the draft uh, information on all these prospects as much as possible. So I know myself if uh, I think the picks are good when uh, light and area is higher and all that stuff. Or, uh, Legendary's draft. So, uh, but yeah, I just thought I'd check in and uh, update myself, and uh, I'm just excited about the hire, and uh, hopefully we can end this 11-year drought and this 11-year misery and this 11-year drinking epidemic for us Bucks fans. <laughs> 11-year drinking epidemic might be the best description I have ever heard of what has transpired over the last decade plus in Buccaneers football. Bravo, chef. That was, that was well played. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for calling in buddy. And, and yeah, it sounds like you've given yourself quite a bit of work to do and we're going to do our best to, to fill in any gaps or provide any information that we can regarding the, you know, the draft prospects. And, and I'm sure next week we're going to talk a little bit about the senior bowl. I know David's about to do a deep dive into that for, for coverage over at bucksnation.com. But yeah, it's, it's funny. And, and I know you really didn't have any uh, question, but you know, we've, we've covered the excitement of, of the Bruce Arians hire from a lot of different angles. I'll provide a, a different personal angle um, as I mentioned earlier in the show, we had my son's birthday party over the weekend. So all the family and everyone came over to, came over to the house and my, my Steelers loving sister, who I've talked about on this podcast before, for those of you that, 
you know, are new to the podcast. I, I have two sisters. One loves the Steelers. One loves the Giants. The Steelers loving sister actually shoved me and caused me to spill a drink on Christmas Day. That was a whole situation that Brent from the Pewtercast made fun of me for talking about on this show. But she comes over and, and we're talking and, and she goes, you know, the Bucks hired hired our guy uh, or our, our old guy is how she phrased it. And I said, yeah, yeah, he was a big reason that Ben Roethlisberger was was drafted to the Steelers and he was the offense coordinator. And, you know, funny enough, he was offered the offensive coordinator position in Arizona, decided to stay in Pittsburgh and said that decision saved his life because had he not stayed in Pittsburgh, he wouldn't have gone to the doctor, wouldn't have found out about one of his, one of the times he had cancer and luckily it was treated didn't spread and anything like that. I was like, and then, you know, they fired him and that's when he went to Indianapolis and, and she's like, yeah, yeah, I remember all that. And, I really wish we had kept him instead of Mike Tomlin. I'm like, oh, oh, wow. It's the first time I've ever seen my my Steelers-loving sister envious of the Buccaneers, ever. Like, it was, you know, that that to me was, it was a hilarious and, and kind of an eye-opening moment that there's a lot wrong in, in the world of the Steelers right now. And to, to have her say that, you know, it, you know, you're talking about a franchise that has had three head coaches ever. And to hear a Steelers fan say, you know, I wish your head coach was my head coach was that was just icing on the cake for me. I think it shows that it's a it's a well-respected move around the league. And you know, he does come with a pedigree and he does come with, you know, a successful uh history and and um one hell of a resume. So yeah, I mean, Chef, thank you for calling. Keep calling in. Uh appreciate your excitement and, and your enthusiasm. And yeah, hopefully we can cause this Sunday binge drinking to end here soon. Yeah. It was good to hear from you as always, chef. Uh, like you said, we're, we're getting a draft season. Uh, it's great. I've already got my first player that I'm super excited about and really hope that the Buccaneers draft um, more to, more to follow on that. Hopefully more to follow on this show on that. But we don't. Know I just happen or not. I just hope the next name that you text me that you're really excited about, I know who it is. Yeah, but you know what? That's what makes it so fun. Because <laughs> yeah, like as uh, yeah, I mean the, the guy that I'm I'm super excited about is probably going to be a third round pick. I don't see him breaking into the second round. So probably a third round pick. It all just it, it just seems and there's and there's another connection, James, that I haven't even told you about yet. That really like it just like it was like is the cherry on top, and you know just like the cherry on top, it really doesn't mean anything to the whole rest of the product, but it just makes it look really cool uh, at the end. Um, and I got really excited when I connected the two dots. And I'm it's not, not some it. sort of weird Ohio State thing, is it? No. Okay, no, good. It does have then to do I'll, with the I'll... college that the player in question attended and Bruce Arians' history with said college. However. Oh. That's that's pretty much all I'm gonna say. I am gonna do a write up of it because I don't believe that he is. So for for any of you who who have followed James and I in our writing back to the Peter Plank, uh, we did 40 prospects in 40 days last year, and Bucks Nation is also gonna be doing 40 prospects in 40 days this year. However, I don't believe that this individual is actually on the list. So it might be 41 and 40 because I might just do one anyway. Um, because of how excited I am about him. And he's going to be kind of my like my blue chip guy. 
that's that's what um, I think it's blue chip. I don't know. Daniel Jeremiah tells a story back in his Baltimore days where they had the opportunity to use like a blue chip or a green star or something. I don't know. But basically, every scout had the opportunity with uh, with their general manager to put their name on someone. Like, if it's this guy is going to be successful or you can fire me, this is who I'm picking. And, you know, you always had your kind of your common top names, you know. But every once in a while, you'd get a scout who got really excited about a lesser-known player. And that's kind of how I feel about with this guy. Um, kind of like a Chris Godwin thing, but Chris Godwin was a little bit more popular the year he came out um, than than this guy is right now. Okay. Yeah, I, I remember us talking about that on last year's podcast. We had a caller call in and say, you know, if you can put your name on one prospect, you know, to come to the Bucks, you know, who are you putting your name on? And David, for the life of me, I can't remember who yours was. I just remember mine was Sony Michelle. God, I, we were pounding that Sony Michelle and Darius guys table for so long, but Sony Michelle was always my guy. But I remember you had a different one. I just can't remember who it was. Yes, neither can I. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I'd have to go back through the list of players last year, but, uh, yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head either. I can't remember who it was. I'll tell you what, I, I heard Rich Eisen list off a laundry list of postseason records that Sony Michelle now either has individually or is tied for because um, he's been dominant, dominant this postseason. But this is not locked on Patriots. Uh, this is uh, this is locked on Bucks. So why don't we go ahead and get over to the next voicemail? Yeah, and, and uh, funny you mentioned it. We just happened to have a voicemail from Tyler in Boston. Hey, there's another one. What's up, boys? Tyler from Boston. I'm, of course, excited about the whole uh, Bruce Arians regime coming in. I think that the Bucks are going to play a lot better. But you know what I really think the Buccaneers need to do is change up that uniform. I can't stand it. It's my least favorite uniform in the league, despite my love of the Bucks. And I just think that... We need to get rid of that orange trim. The whole pewter and orange shoulder pads and the robot, pirate, digital number scheme, whatever it is, it just doesn't look good. And I think that under Bruce Aarons, we're going to play good, but there's that old thing. If you feel good, you work, play good, etc. I think that's what we got to do. We got to change up the uniforms as well. Thanks. Oh, Tyler. I was so excited when I heard you were calling in, and then I heard your call, and just say I'm a little let down. You know, this is... This is a big thing on Twitter, and I get it. There are people that are, they don't like the uniforms. I get it. I can tell you right now, new uniforms are not coming. They're not coming this year. They're probably not coming next year. I mean, this is a, it's a multi-year process to get the uniforms changed. Um, When these uniforms first came out, I was not a fan. They've grown on me. I really don't mind them at all. I... I would prefer if the Bucks wore their color rush tops with pewter pants. I think that would be the optimal look. Um, but I mean, I think the the color rush jerseys are some of the best in football. Um, but honestly, I don't mind the jerseys at all, and I get that people don't like them. But constantly repeating yourself on on Twitter about it, you know, like a certain um, analytics writer, not Tyler somebody else right right yeah some somebody on twitter who who writes for a a certain publication in the tampa area and he loves analytics and he uses the hashtag for the children to describe in basically 75 to 80 percent of his tweets 
as to why the uniforms need to change. Like, let it go. Like, it's it's not happening anytime soon. It'll happen when it happens, you know? It's just one of those things that, you know, people love them or they, or they don't. Bruce Arians walked in, he says, you know, I like him flashy. And I can't think of, of too many uniforms that are actually more flashy than the Buccaneers ones are right now. And I get people don't like the alarm clock numbers or whatever. And it is what it is. And you just got to kind of put up with it. Look at how long they, they wore those creamsicle jerseys and they were the laughing stock of the NFL while doing so. I mean, it was, it was almost 20 years. It was, it was over 20 years that they wore those jerseys. And now they're cool because it's like, you know, the throwback retro stuff is, is cool again. Um, but, I mean, those, those uniforms were the laughing stock of football for two decades. And they stuck with them for, for two decades. So I would honestly be surprised if the Bucks got new uniforms during Bruce Arians' regime. Because he only signed a four-year deal with a fifth-year option, and and if I remember Stroud correctly, um, it's a four-year process. So unless they started the process last year, which again we've been told that uh, you know nothing is in the works that that anyone is aware of, if they started the process right now, it would probably still not happen until after Arian's contract expired. So. I mean, don't hold your breath. It, it's not happening anytime soon. And as for the uh, the hashtag for the children, maybe we should hashtag for the children. Teach them that you, if you don't like something, maybe not whine and cry and scream about it nonstop on Twitter until you get your way. And maybe for the children, teach them that sometimes things in life don't go your way, and and how you handle that is really what defines you as a person is is your ability to overcome something that you don't personally like or that doesn't go your way and to just keep on keeping on hashtag for the children yeah um i don't really care what the uniforms look like i know a lot of people have very strong opinions about the uniforms and i get it i guess to to a certain extent but like you said I i remember when when the Buccaneers announced you know the league announced whoever i was too young to remember who announced what first back in those days uh, that the Bucks were getting new uniforms and they were going away from their, you know, Bucko Bruce and, and the, and the creamsicles. Everybody was really excited. And then those uniforms came out. I don't really remember what the reaction was from the fan base to be quite honest with you. Was, oh, that um, was the, the uh, pewter power slogan. Yeah. I think it was pretty well received because people were really ready to get rid of that old uniform. Like you said, it was a laughing stock and, you know, you always have the clip of the, of the kid and, in the stadium, you know, with, with the shirt on, with the thumbs down and all that crap. And, and that uniform just was not connected with success. Uh, and then you had, you know, the, the pewter uniform come out, you know, the color change and all that stuff. And uh, a lot of success, you know, in, in the early years with, with that uniform. And then this, this uniform change came. And I remember when it was announced that the Bucks were changing the uniform again. And there was some excitement. You know, the fan base was like, okay, you know, let's see what, let's see what they do. Um, players like Warren Sapp, you know, former players like Warren Sapp were involved, uh, apparently, if, if memory serves, in, in the redesign. So people were kind of excited about that. You know, we had a, kind of a newer, modern look to it and all that stuff. And, and it comes out and, you know, it turns out, I mean, they, they cleaned up the logo, uh, got some chrome on the helmet, you know, some re- some reflection or whatever, some reflection on the numbers. Yeah, I mean, I remember seeing it and I was like, okay, it's not dramatic 
like the the helmet wasn't a dramatic change, so to speak, but it was it was an upgrade. And then the uniforms, you know, themselves were obviously just a little bit different. Um, I kind of liked the throwback to the orange. I, I liked kind of putting yeah, that, keeping too. that history in there. You know, whether it looks good aesthetically is is kind of uh, you know the eye of the beholder, I guess. But I just I always whenever this conversation comes up, I always remember uh, what my dad used to tell me uh, when I was playing baseball and as in, in little league and absolutely suck is that it's not a fashion show because every time I swung and missed, which was a lot, mm-hmm. I would stop and I would readjust my batting gloves. Like that was going to make me hit better. Like you're, you're more concerned about whether your gloves are on right than you are about swinging the bat properly. And, you know, of course as a kid, I was like, oh, you know what you're talking about that. That's kind of what it reminds me of because not for nothing, but some of the most iconic uniforms in the game, are some of the dullest uniforms in the game. If you really look at like the Cowboys, blue and silver and white and a star. Mm-hmm. Bravo. It, it's it's not the uniform itself that brings uh, the 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 attractiveness of it. It's it's the success behind it. I mean, bingo, there it is. Yeah, I mean, if you see your players doing well in those uniforms, it's going to elicit feelings of positivity and good feeling and euphoria, whatever you want to call it. And you're going to enjoy it more. It's just, you know, when you watch Rondé Barber shutting down the vet, that's why you love that uniform. I mean, it is better than the cream schools anyway, but that's why you love that uniform is because of what you remember seeing happen in those uniforms. Why do we love the cream schools now? Because we've had success since, you know, and we can look back at those kind of fondly. It's like an inside joke that you're a part of where it's, it's you know, uh, you're, you're part of the in crowd instead of on the outside looking at you're not being laughed at, you're being laughed with. Um, but but let's be honest with you. I mean, if if the Buccaneers went back to those uniforms full time and missed the playoffs for a decade, nobody's going to want those uniforms. No. Um, I think that we're going to see a uniform change in the 2021-2022 season. And I have zero evidence and zero information to back that up. <laughs> but here's why I think it's going to happen. Because one of two things is going to be happening around that time for this franchise. There's either going to be a really big spark and the team's going to be on an upswing. Or they're going to continue the current trend, and the team's going to be lower than it than it has been even before. Because if Bruce Arians doesn't get this thing turned around, this fan base is going to go like if it's already in the toilet, this fan base is just going to go through the sewage pipes and just bury itself. Changing uniforms renews revenue; um, it refreshes revenue. The fans who do still buy jerseys and the fans who do still buy gear every year and whatever, whatever, because they're the diehards and all that stuff. And no matter what. Even at five and eleven back-to-back seasons, I'm buying a draft hat. You're their target, and when the team is sucking, you're the reason they're changing their logo. Because hey, guy, you need a new hat, you need a new jersey. If the team is doing well, it's the same. It's the same thing, just in a different light. You need a new jersey because now Jameis Winston's a future Hall of Famer and a Super Bowl champ. You can't wear that old jersey. You need the new one. So make sure you go out and get this new gear because the orange is a shade lighter than it used to be. And the numbers are no longer alarm clock style. That's the reason why we're going to have a uniform change. That's that's my belief anyway. So coming out of the strike, um, the work stoppage, which if you're not aware is going to happen, is going to happen. Um, we'll see a new Buccaneers uniform, but I don't. I think it'll be kind of like the Browns' new uniform, quote unquote, where it's really not a new uniform. It's just like the red will be darker, and maybe the numbers will be different. But o- overall, it'll be the same general theme. Uh, but for those of us out here who have to have the most recent and most up-to-date uh, gear. It's, it's we're uh, yeah, the Glazers are going to love all of us. <laughs> yeah. And you, you hit the nail on the head. It's 
nobody's complaining about these uniforms if they're hoisting a Lombardi above their head while wearing them. Absolutely no one. They will not sell fast enough. Like people, stores will not be able to keep them in stock if they're hoisting a Lombardi while wearing these uniforms. And then they're going to, you know, people are going to go out and they're going to buy these uniforms that they said that they hated two years ago because there's a Super Bowl patch on, on the side. Right. You know, it, it's all about success. The only, the only thing that the Bucks fans have known in these jerseys is an outlier nine and seven season where they controlled their own playoff destiny and they choked it away. Right. Like that's you know, what's that? I just, just kind of talking about this, right? So it just kind of reminds me of why the NBA as a league, careful now, go with me on this as a league, the NBA as a business is so much smarter than the NFL is because they have 7,000 jerseys for every yes, team. They do. And every single year they come out with new ones. And I'm not talking like color rush jerseys and all this. Like you understand how many championships have the Golden State Warriors won in the last decade? What, like four, three or four or something? Like that? I don't know. I can't remember how many. Too many. But the NBA did something that was extremely subtle. Nobody picked up on it as a money grab move, but it is. In its purest form, it's a money grab move. They put this little yellow tab on the back of the jerseys, and every time a team wins a championship, they put a different number on the tab. Oh, so guess what? Well if you're a Warriors fan with a number one next to your NBA championship trophy on your Steph Curry jersey, and they you're win championship number two, you got to go get a new one. But you don't just want to get that one. You want to get the city version and the nightlife version and the like Hispanic heritage version and the, I don't know, the, the, don't forget Christmas, the Christmas, Christmas version. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. You got to get all those. And then... You know what they do on top of that two years later? They announce sponsorships. So now the jersey's got this new patch on it. Well, now you need that one. So go out and buy that one. I mean, it's – and the NBA did all this stuff, and, and nobody sees the underlying – the market of jersey sales and all this other stuff that it really impacts. You think about Patriots fans, right? Like, Patriots fans are hated universally across the National Football League. Um, like there are fans of teams who haven't played the Patriots in three or four years and they just despise Patriots fans. If the new England Patriot, if the NFL had jerseys that represented championships, I don't know, put like a star or something on the sleeve, I don't know, some sort of insignia similar to what the NBA did. But yeah, put it on the back of the neck. Yeah. Every single Patriots fan, every single time the Patriots won a Super Bowl would go out and as a united act of defiance towards the rest of the league and the rest of the fan bases would all buy brand new Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski jerseys. Yep. Just because there's like an, another number on this stupid little tab uh, that people just have to have. Oh, it, um, would, it would be like an official release day in the city. Like, I mean, it, there would be lines out the door everywhere. Yeah. And, and it would, it would, dominate social media for the day all these people that would buy brand new tom brady jerseys people wearing that how many super bowls does he have five yeah people wearing the the five star brady jersey in line to buy the six star brady jersey right yeah who have the four star hanging up at home and the three star tucked in the shelf in this in a shelf somewhere yeah 
You're right. Yeah, David, I think you just solved the NFL uniform crisis. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, it is what it is. I mean, I, I go on with the uniforms. I just, so the, the military is the same way and don't, don't this isn't some conspiracy theory or whatever, but if you, if you look at, <clears throat> excuse me, if you look at the textile market in the, in the country, every time the textile market dips, one of the branches of the military comes out with the new uniform. Just saying. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, but yeah, and, and don't be wrong, guys. Like for all you listening, if you think I'm bashing people for this, I'm not at all. I'm the guy who has every single version of me on my wall that I can, you know, remember having, and I will get a new one this year. I never wear them. They literally, I look stupid in uh, baseball caps. That's why I'm glad I, I look awesome in Kangle hats. Mm-hmm. But I, I literally, I buy, a, I buy a draft hat, and I never wear it. It just goes up on my wall. I think actually this, the last year's draft hat, I actually did wear one time. Uh, but for the most part, they just hang on my wall. So believe me, I'm right there with everybody. Don't don't take this as a as a as me, you know, as an indictment of everybody else. I'm I'm right there with everybody. Uh, I'm the reason they make new draft caps every year because I'm the guy who goes and buys it every single year. Uh, I I used to buy it every single year, and then when they went to the the flat bill, I I stopped buying them. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I don't I wear them. So I don't care. I didn't buy last year's draft hat. I do have the one from two years ago that had like the shiny bill and then I had the liquid chrome logo. I loved that hat, but it also reminded me as to why I don't own white hats because that yeah. thing got filthy in a hurry. Yeah. If you hang it up, though, it never gets dirty. Um, I don't have anywhere to hang it up, David. And then get you in office, homie. David, we are way over on time. Um, Our next episode will be dropping on Thursday. I cannot record on Tuesday. I have to work. Um, So David is gracious enough to rearrange his schedule so that I can rearrange mine. So we will be back on Thursday with yet another episode. But in the meantime, you can check out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. Send us your voicemails. Give us a call at 813-444-5841. Send us your draft questions, your free agency questions, your discussion topics. Yeah, it's it's officially Ask Us Anything season. We are in the off season. Uh, we have the Pro Bowl coming up, but we are officially in ask us anything send us would you rather questions ask us to power rank cartoon characters do whatever you want uh the floor is yours ask us whatever you would like but make sure you're doing so at 813-444-5841 hope you all have a wonderful enjoyable and safe day and thank you so much for joining us right here at locked on bucks